Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. How are you this morning? Is John okay? Is he here? John's okay? (laughs) The guy that got shot in the video, man. Wow, Brenton, you didn't hold back too. Way to go. (laughs) So good. Wow. Well, it's good to come together and worship on this very chilly Sunday morning, right? What an awesome Sunday to come together and worship God. And as we're kind of winding up the Daniel fast, I hope it's just been an awesome, powerful time for you. Has it been good? It's been a good fast. I hope God's been encountering you in meaningful and powerful ways. It's been good for me. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the word for this morning. God, this morning we position our hearts to receive from you. God, we know that your word is alive. We know that you you speak to us through your word. And so we want to be changed by your truth this morning. We position ourselves to just receive from you this morning. Thank you that you speak today. Speak through me and beyond me in Jesus' name. Amen. Right on. Well, hey, are you guys liking this series of more so far? We're in this series of more, right? More of God. More of God in our life. We believe he has more for us. Amen? Tell someone next to you, God has more for you. God has more, right? So this morning, I want to focus on more love, more love. Now, we, we, we know love is a very familiar word, right? Uh, lo- love is everywhere in our culture. Um, you know, the word love is very, very familiar. People talk about love all the time. We hear podcasts. We see movies. We, we watch TV shows. We, we hear songs written about love. It's everywhere, Right? In our culture, it's very, very familiar. We hear things, I don't know what you've heard about love, I've heard silly things, like it's, it's this thing, it's this crazy little thing called love, right? Uh, anyone heard that one? Um, it, it's this thing that makes the world go around, some people say, right? Or, or it's, it's all you need, all you need is love, right? It's this, it's this thing, you know? And, and people, it's, it's everywhere, we hear a lot about love. And uh, it, it's, it's, all, it's all around us. And I think it's cool. Like, if we've read the Bible at all, we know that Jesus is all about love too, right? He's, he's all about love. We see it all over the scripture. We see it in his greatest two commandments as well. They're all about love. And I want to read them again to us this morning. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. It says, this is in the context of, of somebody asking Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to focus in on that second commandment and talk about more love for others. More love for others. What does it mean to love our neighbor? Of course, we know that that's talking about um, the people around us, not just our physical neighbor, even though 
that's part of it, right? <laughs> Sometimes that, that, can be, that can be a hard thing, but, but it's part of it. But we know it's more than just our, our physical neighbor, right? It's, it's love. And so loving others, loving, um, loving others, the way that we do this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> the way that we love other people is kind of a big deal, right? And we see it in the greatest commandment. Um, and so as Christians, what, what we need to take that as is we need, to, we need to take that as this is central to my life. This is central to my life. This is hashtag life goals that I love God and others. That's how we should be receiving this. And so I think for us to understand this though and understand what it means to love others, we have to understand what this word love actually means. What does the word love actually mean the way that Jesus calls us to love? We gotta know what love is, right? Tell someone next to you, I wanna know what love is, right? Or, or sing it if you want. <laughs> I'll stop with the song references now. We gotta know what love is, right? In, in English and in, in our culture, it can be kind of a confusing word, right? We, we use it for everything. It's, it's this, this word that we use to describe feelings of affection. It's actually defined as an intense feeling of deep affection. And so it's this word that we use to describe how we feel about something or someone. And this is where it kind of gets confusing sometimes because the same word that we use to, to describe our love for chocolate or, for me, Charlie B's hamburgers, you know, that's the same word that I use to talk about how I feel about my wife or my kids or my mom or my dad, right? It's the same word, and so it can be confusing. We, we use it a lot, and so it's this, it's this love that we use. And in all different contexts, we use this word, and so it can be kind of confusing. We, we, we know, though, right, of course, there's different types of love. It's not, you know, the same love, right? I, I feel real love for Charlie B's hamburgers. That Smokey and the Bandit is just, man, that's real love. But I recognize that it's a different kind of love than the love that I feel for my wife or my kids, right? I get that. And, and I love the Greek um, because it's actually less confusing, because in the Greek, um, we actually see, in the ancient Greek, there's kind of these four main words, different words to describe different kinds of love. So it's actually less confusing, and, and that's kind of cool, right? Um, these four words are eros, which is that romantic love. Ooh, eros, right? I feel eros for my wife, you know? I should start using that word instead of I love you. I eros you. Um, or... Or if, if, so that's romantic love, or friendship or brotherly love is the word philia, philia, right? Um, or if it's family kind of love, like this loyal kind of love, like you're my blood, so I, I have to love you, and I will love you, and I'm loyal to you, right? That was the word storge. And so then there's this fourth word. And this fourth word is one that we've, we've probably heard before, we're more familiar with it, and that's the word agape. Agape love. So it was kind of these four words, but agape love is the word that Jesus uses in the greatest commandment. Agape your neighbor as yourself. This is a very, very different word than what we understand love as in the English language. It's very, very different. And I want to show us the difference 
of this word and, and, and what we might sometimes associate the word love with. And I think it's important for us to understand this because it changes the lens that we see this commandment through, right? So I want to show us, and I want to do that by looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus teaches us about agape love actually a lot. Um, and, and one of my favorite ways, one of the favorite um, places for me that he, he teaches us about agape love is, is Luke 10, talking about the Good Samaritan. He tells this parable. Um, just to kind of set up the story, though, I want to read a few verses before um, so we understand the context. So we're going we're gonna to dive in. We're going to read um, 25, Luke 10, 25, all the way through 37. It says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So it's in this context of Jesus teaching us what agape love is, what it means to love our neighbor, that we see this story of the Samaritan man. Jesus replied with a story. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. And then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him laying there, but also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he, he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If, he, if his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. We, we start to see what agape love is, right? We start to see that it's so different than the, the English word love, where it's all about affection and all about how we feel toward something. It's so much more than that. This Samaritan in the story we see, he shows us compassionate love, a love that, that actually stirred him to action. That's what compassion is all about, right? It's that feeling, yes, but it's a feeling that stirs us to action, to actually relieve someone that's in need. And so he takes care of this guy. And you've heard this story many times probably, but have you ever thought about how inconvenient this would have been? <laughs> right? And I think Jesus is making a point by this. This guy goes out of his way, right? He, he stops wherever he was going. He stops, sees this guy, and he takes the time, right? 
He, he takes the time. He probably used his own clothes to make bandages, probably tearing up his own clothes, making bandages for this wounded guy, using his own oil, his own wine. He's, he's soothing his wounds and puts him on his donkey, which means that I guess he's walking, right? And then he takes him to this inn and pays his way. Talk about inconvenient. Talk about a financial cost, right? We, we look at like two coins is what the story said in this version it doesn't sound like a lot. Um, that was two denarii. And, and that's actually, that is actually a lot. It was the equivalent of two months of hotel or, or an inn. He, he was able to stay there for two months based on that. Imagine two months of hotel right now, right? What a cost that would be. This is agape love. It's so much more than just a feeling or an affection that we might express in some way. It's, it's a choice we make in obedience to look after the well-being of someone other than ourselves. That's what agape love is. It's choosing to serve others. Agape love always requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice. Without expecting anything in return. That's the thing, Jesus, he has a really high standard for this kind of love, right? When he's saying choose, he's saying love your neighbor, he's saying choose to give of yourself, even sacrificially, so that your neighbor is is able to do well. It's a love that takes action, and, and like I said, it's without expecting anything in return. That's another level, right? And he takes it even further. We have to understand Jesus is talking about a love that is not just a love that we show somebody who is easy to love. It's not just a love that we show somebody who loves us back. It's not a love that we we only show somebody who's grateful for our generosity, (laughs) right? Ever tried to love someone who's not at all grateful for your generosity? It's hard, right? And Jesus is making a point here. Because we have to understand the Samaritan and the Jew, they were actually enemies. They were enemies. There was very, very bad blood between these two um, races, I guess. And so we have to understand, no doubt, Jesus is making a point that it's going way beyond those that are easy to love. And he talks about this more in Luke 6, 27 to 36. We're going to read some more. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love, that word again, agape, your your enemies. Love your enemies. And Jesus goes further. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer them the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Wow. And then he drops the golden rule. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Often we read the golden rule, right? Just kind of a side note, but we read the golden rule, and we, we, we kind of, even as kids, we probably rec- we, we re- re- we memorize the golden rule, right? And, and we kind of read it, and we kind of feel like that's like, I'll do to you if you do to me, right? 
We kind of read it with that expectation of like, if I'm going to do this to you, but I'm going I'm to give this for you. I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to love you with agape love if, if you love me back, right? But it's actually saying, as you would like them to do to you, whether they do that to you or not, and who knows that often they don't return that love, right? But that's not what this love hinges on. He goes further to explain, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. He says it again, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. When we're his kids, we look like him, right? And so we see our reward will be great. When we do this, we will truly be acting like the children of the Most High. This is a very challenging scripture. Am I the only one that finds this challenging? I hope not. This is a very challenging scripture, but isn't it true? Isn't it important for us to understand this kind of love? And to see Jesus' command through this lens. Because this is a world-changing kind of love. The world needs this love. The church needs this love. We, we all need this kind of love. And I don't say that flippantly like, oh, this is a world-changing kind of love. This is a world-changing kind of love. Because this love, it brings, it brings unity where there's division. It brings restoration and healing to relationships that are broken. It brings hope and a testimony to the world that there is more. There is more. And the world needs to know that. And God wants to use you and I to show this kind of love and change the world by it. What a powerful testimony when we can love like this, right? And so a question to ask ourselves is, am I living in this kind of love? It's kind of a tough question, but... It's important to ask, do, do I have compassion for those in need? Am I willing to go out of my way to give of myself, even sacrificially? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to love like that? Without expecting anything in return, even the people that aren't easy to love, do I pray for them, right? Do I forgive them? Do I show mercy by forgiving them? This is agape love. And this is challenging. A challenging kind of love. I, I find this challenging. <laughs> and I think often we find this, with this challenging, right? Because we, we, we understand that, that in and of ourselves, we, we really don't have a lot to give. We don't have agape love. In and of ourselves, right? Like, it is hard to love others sometimes because life is just so full of even just our own stuff. 
You know, it's hard to love others. You know, we got our own stuff going on or life is tough or we just, honestly, we just don't feel like it sometimes, right? And it can be hard. And, and maybe you're like me and you've realized that in, in your natural state, in my humanness, I'm really not that loving. That's being honest. In my humanness, I'm really not that loving. I'm a selfish person, right? And maybe you've realized that too, that we're selfish people in our natural state, right? And Jesus' love to this, this, this call to self-giving love, it goes against that selfishness. It doesn't come very naturally. And so I want to talk about, well, how do we then step into this love? If it doesn't come naturally to us, how do we step into it? How do we love like this? And I think the first thing is we got to connect to the source of love. We got to connect to the source of love. This seems kind of obvious, but wow, do I forget to do that way too many times, right? Like connecting to the source. Look what it says in 1 John 4, 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love. Again, that word agape, love one another, for love comes from God. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. It says love comes from God. God is the source of love. That means that I don't have it, right? I don't have it. I can't love without God. Agape love, this real love, this self-sacrificial love, I don't have it without God. But isn't it amazing to know that I can connect to the source of love? Guys, we can connect to the source of love. When our gauge shows empty, his tank of love is still full. Do you remember that illustration from Pastor Claude a few weeks ago? If you haven't watched that sermon, please do. It's so good, right? When our gauge shows empty, when we don't have it, God still does. And so we got to connect to that source. We got to understand it's, it's not about just mustering up more love out of the goodness of my heart. And I've got to muster up more affection for the people around me. It's, it's way more than that. It's about connecting to the source. It's about saying, it's not me. It's you, God. It's not me, it's you. And so I just look to you. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that freeing to know that I don't have to just hear this sermon and muster up more love out of the goodness of my heart and, and that's what I should do. It's not just that. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, we need to walk in it, but it's God ultimately. He is the source. So how do I connect to this source of love? That's number two, experience God's love personally. Experience God's love personally. If we go back to 1 John 4, we continue in verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And then he, I love this, it says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Sounds like agape love, doesn't it? He gave himself as a sacrifice. Like that, that death on the cross that he died, that should have been me. That should have been you. Those nails 
should have gone through my hands and my feet. Those beatings, that should have been me. I deserved that death. Like Jesus, but he took it because he preferred to be with us. He took it for me. He took it for you. And we see this self-sacrificial love, the the ultimate example of self-sacrificial love right there. Do you realize how much you're loved? Do you realize how much you're loved? And then in verse 11, it says, since God loved us that much, that much, we surely ought to love each other. In other words, how can I be loved that much and not love others, right? How can I be loved that much and not love others? See, I, I really believe it's, it's from this place of being loved by God that we can love other people. That's the only way. It's being loved by God. It's, it's God's love in us flowing through us. It's God's love in us bubbling out to the people around us. It's not even our own love. That's how we can love with agape love is if we realize God is the source. He is the love. And we need him in our life. We need his love to come and and overflow in our hearts to the people around us. Look what it says in, in verse 12. No one has ever seen God But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Look at that. It says his love. It's not our love, right? It's not our love. We experience God's love. He pours it into our hearts, and then that divine love is the love that we extend to others. We're just a conduit of God's love. God's love just flows through us. That's what we need if we want to walk in agape love, right? 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he loved us first. Underline that word because, right? That's why, that's how. We're so loved and we can love from this place of being loved. So realize that God is your source, God is the source of love. And the way that we connect to that source is by experiencing his love. This this idea of experiencing God's love, I want want you to understand I'm talking about more than knowing. Like I could could stand here, we we could talk about God's love all day. I could prove it to your mind. We could look at scripture all day. There's so many verses about God's love and I could prove it to your mind that God loves you. But have you experienced God's love? And if you have, have you experienced it recently? Because it's so much more than knowing, right? It's it's a life-changing truth that when, when it goes from knowing to understanding deeply in our hearts, that's when it becomes life-changing. 
when we experience God's love, when, we, when we've experienced it in our inmost being, and it changes our life, this truth becomes real to us. That's what I'm talking about when I say experience God's love. It's more than knowing. So how do we experience God's love? And that's number three. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural thing. Experiencing God's love is a supernatural thing. Preaching can't make this happen. Like I said, I can prove it to your mind. There's so much scripture, but I cannot make you experience God's love. I can't. Worship can't make you experience God's love, even though God sometimes uses these things and works through these things by his spirit. Ultimately, it has to be by his spirit. God's love and experiencing it in our hearts, in the depth of our being, is a supernatural experience. If we look at Romans 5, verse 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It's through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts. Isn't that awesome? In order for us to, to fulfill this central command of our lives, which is love others, we desperately need God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, with his love. God, pour your love into my life. Galatians also tells us love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a result of walking in the Spirit. So we know this to be true, right? That more love for others means we need more of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you've caught this yet, but this is one of the central focuses, one of the central themes to this whole series is more of God, more empowerment in our life through the Holy Spirit. So it's a supernatural thing, but I want us to understand, though, along with that is that there is a part that we play. It's got to be God, but the part that we play is cultivating an openness, cultivating an openness to God and Holy Spirit in our life to, to come and work and bring his love. We can actually stop the flow of God's love. We can actually stop being a conduit if we're not cultivating a desire for God and his Holy Spirit to bring love in our life, if we're not cultivating that, if we're focusing on our own stuff, if we're not asking Holy Spirit to come and flow through us, if we're not keeping our hearts tender to the Holy Spirit, if we have sin in our life or if we've hardened our heart in some way, these are things that can actually stop the flow. So we do have a part to play and I want to ask us this morning, and I think this is a good question to take with you and, and, and pray about this week. Is there something that's stopping God's love from flowing through me? Is there something stopping God's love from flowing through me? May we be a church that keeps our hearts tender to Holy Spirit. A church that desires and, and asks to be filled with God's love. May we be a church that often prays 
What Paul prayed in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love. Guide my heart into your love, God. My heart needs guiding. Otherwise, my heart just wants to lean toward other things. It just wants to lean toward fleshly desires or, or striving or, 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 or love of money or, or fear or, or whatever. My heart needs to be directed and guided into God's love. So God, direct my heart. Pour your love into my life so I can be a conduit to the world because the world needs this love. So we're called to connect to the source, experience his love, and as this becomes truth in our life, then we'll be able to love others with this agape love. Amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.